Hey guys, it's Scott. I am back and completely jet lagged from my trip with um, Jack, our 15 year old out to Colorado. I'm not going to get too into it because I want to talk Joker, but it was it was amazing. A teenager, <laughs> a lot of our interactions are, come on, dad, get off my back. And me being like, if you just apply yourself and all of those things, um, it's, we're close. But, you know, it's hard with a 15 year old. I get it. But getting away, seeing massive mountains, feeling how small your problems are for some reason opens up a portal where you're allowed to connect in different ways. And we had a great time. He shared a lot about his friends, about his music, about things that he's read, even stories he's working on, which he never shows me because he's always very private, but he's a great writer. I'm sure he'll be better than I am by far. And so it was, it was a great time. And that part of the country, if you ever get a chance to go the Four Corners in that area, just to, to see these majestic dwarfing structures, the mountains that live in geological time and make you feel minuscule and are just gorgeous. These tunnels blasted through them for you to drive through and walk through. And it's just, it's really transformational, honestly. Anyway, the Joker. So I wanted to do a post. I feel like, you know, Joker is a character that I, I used a lot and I love dearly. He's my favorite villain in literature. But it wasn't always that way. And, and one of the things that struck me watching that extended or deleted scene from um, Matt Reeves, the Batman, with the new interpretation of the Joker, which I really liked, was that my take on the Joker is particular. And, and I've always wanted to see a horror based Joker um, on screen. And we haven't yet. We haven't really. I mean, I know there are aspects of the Joker that have been scary, especially in Heath Ledger's Joker. I think there are moments in Jack Nicholson's Joker that are scary. And I'd posit that the scariest version of the Joker that we've seen, honestly, is, to me at least, was the return of the Joker, the Batman Beyond animated series, on screen. That said, I just wanted to walk through almost like a case in defense of why a horror Joker would be really resonant right now and why I think it's a great time to see a horror Joker on screen. But for me, like when I was a kid, Joker was a villain I liked, but... You know, when I was very young, I think the Riddler probably caught my attention more because I enjoyed the head to head with Batman. It felt like he was the villain that sort of posed the greatest threat to Batman in terms of what Batman was supposed to be as the world's greatest detective. And here are these empirical puzzles to figure out. But then around 1986, when Dark Knight Returns came out and, and that version of the Joker was so stunning, you know, where he kind of wakes up out of his, his catatonic state when Batman wakes up. It caught my attention. That book for me was much more about the mutants and Superman and bigger aspects that were reflective of the times, the 80s. But it definitely kind of pinged me, that version of the Joker, that he was a corollary to Batman in an interesting way that went beyond just being this kind of clown prince of crime, that there was a deeper psychological connection. And then what really hit me was in 19, I think it was 1989, when A Serious House on Serious Earth, Arkham Asylum came out, and there was this Dave McKean visual of the Joker that was terrifying. To this day, I remember it with those ringed eyes, and it was Dave McKean at the height of his powers, and Grant Morrison just telling a, a very, very dark, horrific story about the history of Arkham. If you haven't read it, I mean, it's, you know, one of the handful of best Batman stories ever. And it's, it's gorgeous, and it essentially has a, a pretty horrific version of the Joker as a sort of tour guide or as a face of Arkham Asylum in a bigger mystery kind of that, that's going on about the history of it and what Batman's relationship is to, to the house and to sanity and all of that. So he's pretty scary in that one, but visually he's terrifying. 
And then the weirdest thing is this book came out called The Further Adventures of the Joker. I don't know. You, people have probably not read this. I don't even know if it's in print anymore, but it was from 1990. And I just picked it up and I loved it. It had this great Kyle Baker cover. He also did the cover of The Greatest Joker Stories Ever Told, the fantastic one of him in the purple suit smiling with a gun on the spring coming out of his pocket. And I remember vividly the first three stories kind of taking me by the throat and sort of expanding my whole concept of the Joker. And a lot of the stories in the book did, and there's some great writers in it. Dan Simmons of Carrie and Comfort, one of the greatest vampire stories ever. And then of The Terror, which was just made into a TV show, is in it. And Joey Cavallari, there's a, there's a whole bunch of people you'll recognize and be like, oh, wow. But the first story in it was um, by a guy named Joe Lansdale. And he also happened to write Bubba Hotep, which obviously was not out at that time, but looking back and realizing that he had done that. And he wrote a couple of my very favorite episodes of the Batman, the animated series, which again was not out at that time. But I'm just saying like, we're going back and discovering this was like, of course, this is like my twin in a way. He wrote Perchance to Dream and he wrote Showdown, the episode with Jonah Hex and Ra's al Ghul in the past. Anyway, the first story, it's called Belly Laugh and it's essentially about the Joker escaping Arkham, planning to kill five people with Batman being the last one. So it has a typical framework, but the level of darkness of the, and violence that the Joker enacts where he dissolves people with acid with this trick where he combines these different things to make them physically dissolve and the descriptions of the pain and horror there were really stunning to me at 13 years old. And then on top of that, the, the whole kind of net that he casts around Batman to draw him back into the theater where his parents were killed whether or not he knows who he is, was psychologically very terrifying. The level of, of psychological darkness in that shocked me. And it was an adult story. It was not for kids, you know. And then the second story, which was uh, told at first in um, medical reports that was about uh, a doctor who is assigned to the Joker. I think it's, it's called Definitive Therapy, and it's, it's by F. Paul Wilson. And it's about a doctor who's assigned to the Joker and essentially decides he's not going to be, you know, taken advantage of by Joker. He's there to help him. And the Joker is is very scary in it. He's kind of tall and gaunt and his teeth are yellow beneath the, the white rictus face. And it was the first time his face had been described as rictus to me, which really caught me. And I remember he sits down with him and Joker immediately sort of starts talking about how great he is and this and how he can escape at any moment and how he can get whatever he wants in here. And the doctor doesn't really believe him. And, and slowly but surely, the Joker starts bringing things in that surprise the doctor that he's able to get them. And then he starts asking the doctor about his private life, which he clearly knows about. How's the girlfriend? How's Gina doing? Uh, you know, how do you know about that? Oh, well, you know, I have people on the outside. I know everything, Doc. I'm the Joker, you know. And one day the doctor goes to get his car. and There's a new Mercedes there. And the Joker gave it to him, you know. And then he goes and he, uh, one day his girlfriend calls him and she just got an engagement ring from him, but the Joker sent it, you know? And so he's starting to manipulate his life and eventually the doctor decides to get a, the Joker a lobotomy and the board of directors of the hospital agrees. But the Joker is in there for having killed an artist named uh, Whittier or something like that, like a young, a young up and coming artist that the doctor loved and, and hates the fact that Joker murdered him. And suddenly he finds as his wedding gift or his engagement gift, one of the paintings by this dead painter in his house. And the Joker says, well, I have a whole stack of them, you know, for you as a wedding gift for treating me. And so the doctor essentially tries to put off the lobotomy so that he can find out where these things are so that he can get them. And in doing so, of course, the Joker springs out of his seat one day, injects the guy. And when he wakes up, 
and it's a little corny, but it was terrifying to me at 13. The guy wakes up and he's been paralyzed and he's disguised as the Joker. And the Joker is now putting on prosthetics to look like him to walk right out of the hospital. And so the lobotomy he ordered for the Joker is now going to come to him. And all of it is the Joker saying, see, you're just as bad as everybody else. And again, the level of psychological darkness of that story and the next one, which was about Joker as a young boy, just as a warning, just a trigger warning, it's a extremely dark R-rated story, like Henry of a portrait of a serial killer type story, where it's about a young boy who looks out over Gotham and sits on this water tower a lot because his home life is terrible. His father is extremely abusive and is in and out of a mental institution. And um, the boy is a burgeoning serial killer and has killed all these animals and, and made things with their bodies. And he starts preying on this kid that idolizes him. And it's just really dark. Again, taking away from those sort of three initial stories, plus the rest of the book, plus the visual of Joker the year before in Arkham Asylum, began to form my idea, I think, of what, if I ever got the chance to write Joker, what I would want him to be. I wanted him to be a psychological extension of whoever he was up against. And that really formed this idea, which seems really simple and maybe is, and maybe it was sort of obvious, and I don't even know if it was done before, but I think it was crystallized it in our stuff, was that the Joker is the Joker card. He is any qualitative or quantitative value that he needs to be to create and to transform himself into your worst fear. He is the card on the table whose value is exactly your worst nightmare, and that's it. And he is laughing at you to think that you could ever overcome it. So whatever Batman fears most, that's what Joker appears as. And for me, I've said it before, but horror is kind of the purest burned down form of conflict. If a monster is done right, a monster is an extension of your worst fears. You know, it's fears about yourself, fears about the world, fears about the future. That's what the, a good monster is. And the Joker is a great monster in that way. He's perfect. He's malleable. He's the extension of absolute fear. So anyway, so that's kind of where my thinking, I think when I look back on it in retrospect, came from about what the Joker would be if I ever got to work on him. And so then when the movies came out and, you know, Jack Nicholson was sort of became the face of the Joker for a long time and it was a little campy, there were moments of scariness and I always loved those movies, but, you know, it got cornier and cornier and then Heath Ledger, I thought, played it fantastically but it's still more of a mob and psychological battle of wits with Batman than it is pure horror. I'm talking about horror. I'm talking about Joker crawling out. Under, you're looking under your bed, afraid that he snuck in. And out of the darkness, you see that pale, ghostly face looking back at you. And then it smiles and the teeth, you know what I mean? And the eyes with the pupils that don't dilate because they let in no light, just pinpoints, predator eyes looking at you. Joker who knows more about yourself than you know about you because you don't want to admit it, but he knows and he's there laughing at you being that thing, presenting you your worst fear and laughing at you while you burn. You know, that's Joker to me. So I wanted Joker to be that in our run. And, and when he I had this idea for this kind of him being almost the double helix DNA structure to Batman and he would always represent Batman's worst fear and he would be present in some way or other in almost everything that I did. So in Death of the Family when he first comes in big. My whole run, honestly, our whole run really deals with my, my biggest fear, which is the meaninglessness of things, you know, that, that no matter what you do or try, ultimately to affect things, to, to be someone who does any good in the world, that ultimately there are forces that are far too powerful and that it's meaningless and that the mechanism at the center of the universe is dark and evil and human nature is evil, human nature is dark, 
goodness is a fallacy. It's like a blip and aberration that, and that to me is, you know, it's something when I'm feeling really depressed or when I get really go through dark periods, I worry about, it's like a voice in my head that just goes round and round. That's, you know, there's, there's no point that that's anything you do. It's just washed away. It doesn't matter. The forces at work, cosmic, human, all of it are dark, you know, and then it's not worth it. And obviously I don't believe that at all. That's why I love Batman is because he stands against those all the time. The incident that should prove that to him proves the opposite and becomes the fuel for him to say that every action has meaning. Everything you do has meaning. Everything is a triumph. You know, every time you overcome your own nature necessarily or the nature of the universe and do something good. So Joker would be the opposite. Joker would be the voice that's always telling you it's not worth it. The voice that's always telling you you're wrong, that you're going to fail, that everything is dark. And he would take whatever devil form or chameleon-esque form would prove that the most. 